smile this morning. Everybody smile. Let's give a little praise this morning as we start. Let's stand together. Open up with this great one more red back hymn. What's the title? I never shall forget the day. Long years ago, when out in sin, I had no hope, no peace within, down on my knees, in agony, I prayed to Jesus and be glad to set me free. Praise the Lord. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Man, oh man, we are here to celebrate today. 77 years of ministry at the Gap Hill Church of God. Can we give God praise for that? What a journey it has been from Brush Harbors to other buildings, build on to that building, build on to that building, remodel several times. And within the last few years, we have been blessed and fortunate to be able to remodel the entire church, the entire offices, 
Started off in the kids' area back there. Now the gym, as you'll see today after church with the mill, fully renovated. It's absolutely gorgeous. Can we give God praise for what he's done? Today is going to be a good day, but it doesn't mean yesterday was too good. For you Gamecock fans, I'm sorry. I don't like bringing up stuff like this, but on bye weeks when Clemson doesn't play, I just love doing it. Because we didn't win and we didn't lose. If you're a Georgia fan out there, we're all Gamecocks and Tigers alike. We're just hoping you lose. We don't care when, how, we just want you to lose. I want to remind you that following the service this morning, we will have a homecoming style meal today in the fellowship hall or the gym, what have you, Family Life Center. There's a, looks like a pile of food over there. I'm excited to go eat it, so aren't you? I know it's dangerous when I get ready to preach on a regular Sunday and it's five minutes after 12 and people are doing like this because they want to get to the restaurant. It's even worse when the food is on site. And people are really watching their watches. So I won't try to hold you too long this morning. But man, I want to take my time and just worship God today. Have a great time together. Gapfield Widows meeting. I'm going to give you a few announcements. Tuesday, that's this Tuesday, October 17th at 12 o'clock. This is for widows only. Vegetable beef soup, sausage corn chowder, cornbread and desserts. That sounds really good. Have a Bible study to follow thereafter. They're telling me I need to bring a guitar. And we're going to do some singing is what I've been told. That's right, Sanja Kemp is with us, which we're happy for, and she's going to be singing with us, right? So we're starting a trio. It's going to be good. We'll have a little bucket that y'all can drop money in. I'm just kidding. Church membership, if you're interested in joining the church family, meet with me next Sunday. It will be in the directly down this hallway. It's the choir room. You cannot miss it. Next Sunday, I'm going to meet with you guys at 9.45 a.m. to go over some of the things about our church. Just want you to know about the life of our church. We're excited to have you become a part of us. Then we'll have church joining and baptism on the same day on Family Sunday, which is October 29th. Our kids are going to be singing on that day as well. Really excited about that. We have Fall Festival coming up October 29th from 5 to 7.30 p.m. So do not miss that as well. Praise the Lord. God's good, isn't he? A lot going on. Now that I've gotten through that, we can focus on what we came here to do today. And it is to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, today we celebrate you. We celebrate, obviously, the church. We celebrate the blessing of the years that you have given us in ministry. We thank you, Lord, for where you have brought us from. Lord, especially for those among us that have been around for years and years and they have seen the ups, they've seen the downs. They've seen the good times as well as the bad times. But Lord, you brought us through them all. And here we are today, 2023, still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, still declaring to every sinner that there's a Savior, for everyone that is heartbroken that there's a heart mender, that there's a physician, a great physician that can come and he can mend every heart, every ailment that they may have. And for 77 years we have done that. And I ask you not only to, to thank you for what you've done, but I ask you to continue to bless us. I ask you to continue to empower this church, that we would be a church full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us never to forget our mission, and that is to reach the world for Jesus Christ, to help those that are hurting. Help us never to forget our mission, 
and that is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and Him alone. Should we ever stray from this fact, from this truth, bring us back in line. Let us never forget it's not about us, it's about you. And that's who we celebrate today more than anything, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this service. Let it be empowered with the Holy Spirit from the songs to the preaching. Let us enjoy our time together in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. If you'd like, let's stand back up together. Lord, we bless you in this place. We lift you. Put our hands together. Let's sing to him. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. As he opened the prison doors and he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, Lord, we shout out your praise today, Lord. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross. Then he rose up from that grave. Our God still runs on the way, yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. And we shout out your praise. Quiet. 
I know I haven't been here as long as most of the families here, 15 or so years, and I've seen this church through ups and downs, through valleys and mountains, but one thing to know, God's always been there. In fact, I think it's when it's been the lowest is when he's been there the most. In our lives, when it's the lowest, that's when he's always the closest. And we continue to worship the Lord. Continue to worship the Lord. Hallelujah.
As Pastor Brian said, the ups and downs, haven't we seen them all since we've been here, whether 15 years, 50 years, five years, there have been ups and downs. I've been here, May will be six years, so five and a half years, and um, we've had some highs, but there's also been some struggles that um, we've faced. And the Lord has brought us through every one of them. And he's been a good God. The goodness of God is really real today. Chevy, go ahead and start that time on me so I'm not too long. I was getting ready uh, Sunday or Saturday morning, rather, for Sunday morning. I was actually laying in the bed about 1 o'clock. I guess I drank a lot of coffee that day, and I was jacked up. And I wasn't sleeping too well. But about 1 o'clock in the morning, this came over my spirit, and I knew that when I got up the next morning, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, I would have to try to develop something based on this topic, and so I got up, started building a sermon, taking notes, looking up scriptures, you know, the typical sermon prep stuff, but God breathed into my spirit, one o'clock in the morning, I could hear him and said, you're on the edge of a miracle, what a promise from God. I'm going to try to be good today, but I'm telling you, this thing is just in me so deep that I can hardly stand it today. On the very edge of a miracle. And I felt like God wanted me to come today to tell you that. Not just for me, but for you. That some of you that are struggling, some of you that are praying and you're waiting on it. I felt like the Holy Spirit just wanted me to tell you, you were on the edge of it. Now, now, when you think about the, the terminology, when we use the terminology on the edge or, or being on the edge, it is an idiom or an expression of sorts that simply means that you are in a state of extreme tension in your life, right? You are on edge. It can also mean that you are facing anxiety. It's a state edge. Being on the edge is a state of anxiety. It is also something that none of us like. It is uncertainty. I told my wife, and it happens every homecoming, right? When you're like, oh my goodness, I hope we have enough food. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, Jesus made a miracle with just a little bit. So if he can multiply just that small bit, surely he can multiply about the 55 crop pots I saw over there, right? We're good. We're good today. Calm down. It is uncertainty that we don't like because that is the things that we do not know. Sometimes we can become control freaks to where we say, man, I want to be able to dictate everything that happens in my life. I want to be able to be in control. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody like to have control of your life? See, there's a problem when you, when you put, put it in somebody else's hands. You're thinking to yourself, man, I believe I could do it better myself because I care about me more than they care about me. Even the doctor. The truth is uncertainty can plague us. It can keep our nerves on edge. That is, that is why we've come up with the phrase that we may say my nerves are literally on edge right now. 
It suggests a feeling that we are at a breaking point in our life. It is typically at this moment in our life that, that we feel that we have lost hope. It is at this place in our life that we feel like everything in our life is about to come crashing down. Everything that we have worked hard for, everything that we have struggled to attain in our life, we're afraid that the enemy's going to come in and all of those things are going to crumble right before our eyes. So when we talk about being on edge, is anybody depressed yet? After hearing what it's about. It's uncertainty, it's anxiety, it is, it is a feeling of extreme tension. But see, there's also another definition that you need to know today. Because the word also means, when we say on the edge, it also means something is about to happen or change dramatically in my life. And here's the deal, it is not always bad. Sometimes it's in a good way. And so I'm trying to get somebody to understand today that what God is about to do in your life is not negative. What God is about to do in your life, lift up your heads and rejoice. Because something is about to change and it is going to change drastically and God is doing it for your good. And you need to understand that today. You need to know that today. We've spoke about it often in our lives. We face certain challenges, right? Does anybody know what a challenge is? An obstacle. We face a circumstance, a situation that may seem insurmountable at times. In other words, it means that we go through things that are too great for us to overcome. But guess what that is called? L-I-F-E. It is called life. And the fact of the matter is that this week, you could go into your job, and I'm not declaring this over you, but you could go into your job and they could look at you and say, you know what, we don't need you anymore. You're expendable. They'll get rid of you. They'll hire a younger, more bright, with a little higher degree than you've got. Do they even care anymore? Companies you work for them for 40 years, they push you right out the door as if you're just another person. It could happen this way. You could walk into your bedroom of your spouse, and your spouse could look at you and say, you know what, honey, I've had enough. It happens every, every week in America, multiple times. I've been married 10 years, 40 years, 50, it doesn't matter. Nobody's excluded from it. I'm tired of it. It's over. That is called life. And life is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what you do, how you try to avert it, you are always going to face something in this world. You're going to face sickness. Needless to say, some will die of cancer, and I hate that word because it's a horrible thing. But it is the fate that some have faced, and that is what life gives us. The only positive that we have in this life is our hope in Jesus Christ our Lord to help bring us through whatever life we may go through. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, knowing that God is there is enough to know we can make it through. But it is in these moments, yeah, we feel helpless, we feel hopeless, but it is in these helpless and hopeless places that God wants you to know you are actually on the edge of a miracle. It is here in this place that your faith that once was weak 
it begins to get stronger and stronger as you grow in God and in your faith. It is in these places that God begins to shine brighter than he's ever shown before. Often in the Bible you can read stories where there's this guy that's blind or this guy that's crippled. And God says, well, why, who sinned? Nobody sinned. But Jesus looks at him and says, this man was born like this so that God might be glorified. Now that's tough to swallow. You mean I got to walk around crippled my entire life or I got to be blind my whole life in order to, to glorify God? That's what the scripture says. It says, yes, he's been born so that God can be glorified. It's crazy. It's crazy. But this is how God works. And what God does is he gets all the glory when miracles happen in our life. Because I opened up my Bible yesterday and I started flipping through it and I thought, my gosh, there are so many stories of people who have found themselves in seemingly impossible circumstances and situations only to experience the miraculous hand of God, the work of God that came on the scene and drastically changed everything and he did it just like that. It is amazing. A matter of fact, I could today I could go through my Bible and I could not preach a single word and just name story after story after story where impossible circumstances and situations were in people's life and God delivered them out. I could take a whole 30 minutes today just telling you without telling you the story, just mentioning the story. That is how many miracles are in this book we call the Bible. David with Goliath, right? We all know the story. There's kids in here. You know the story. We got this little ruddy boy, 17 years old. He should be shaking in his boots, or sandals rather. He should be scared to death. They didn't have boots. I don't guess we'll call them sandals. Jesus' sandals. Y'all know what I'm talking He's shaking in his sandals. There's a man out here nine foot tall. Some even say he's ten foot tall. To put that into perspective, that's a basketball goal. So when you go to the gym today, for you that go to eat, just look up at where the rim is and you're looking at Goliath. I want you just to think about that for a minute. And some ruddy little teenage boy says, you know what? God's going to help me today and you are coming down and I am going to defeat you. When everybody looked at the situation, if we were betting, and we're not gamblers, are we? All right, y'all been playing that lottery hard. It is getting hot. It is getting hot. If we were throwing the chips in and betting on it, who you putting your money on? I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm just an average Joe, I'm going with Goliath. He has the looks, he has the strength, he has the height, and he has the power. So let's go with Goliath. But guess what? They'd have lost all of their bets that day because little David is the one that said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, and in the face of impossible situations, guess where the miracle happened? It happened with a little shepherd boy everybody thought was going to lose. You've got Daniel in the lion's den. And we've told this story. And, and I mean, he's supposed to be ate by lions. But God allows them to become pillars for him. We've got three Hebrew boys in the middle of a burning fire. But yet they are not burned. They come out alive and don't even smell like smoke. That's a miracle. We've got Elisha that is surrounded by the chariots of the Syrian army. And his servant is with him. 
to which Elisha can see that the Lord has encamped round about those that love him. But his servant cannot see it. So his servant says, this is an impossible situation. Master, what in the world are we going to do? How will we ever get out of this situation? To which Elisha begins to pray and said, Lord, would you just open up the eyes of my servant so that he can see what I see? And when God does it, he sees that around all of the chariots of the Syrian army, that there are chariots of fire that have encamped all around their camp. My God, all of Samaria has been covered by the grace of God Almighty and their chariots of fire. And when he saw that, he understood, all right, I get it now. We are in the middle of a miracle in a situation that seems impossible. I've got a widow lady with the crews of oil. A jar of oil. She can't pay her debt. She's got two boys. Her husband's died. She's a widow. She begins to pray and ask God, God, you got you to gotta fix it. I can't do this. My children are going to be sold into slavery because that's what would happen if she didn't pay the debt. The boys are taken. They are, they are made slaves until they earn or make the money to pay off the debt. She's in the middle of needing a miracle. But a man of God comes by and says, let me tell you something. Go ahead and start pouring some oil in that jar. To which she said, well, I don't have any. He said, well, go ahead and pour it anyhow. And she starts pouring. He says, you know what? You might as well go to your neighbors. You need to borrow their jars. This is crazy. I only had a little jar. How am I going to fill up their jars? But the boys start running out and grabbing the neighbor's jars and heaven's oil is pouring and she fills up this jar and that jar and, this, and they're just pouring them all around the house. And she says, boys, it's a miracle. Go fetch me another jar. To which they respond, we've already got all the jars from the neighborhood. There's no more left impossibilities. Oh my God, have mercy. I've got the walls of Jericho. I've got chariots that can go on top of it. Nobody would ever attack Jericho. These walls are so thick. I mean, it is just nobody would even dare do it. But God said you march around it seven times on the seventh day and when you march around, those walls are going to come crumbling down in your life and the impossible became possible because they didn't realize it but they were on the edge of a miracle like they had never known before God did it. Jesus feeds around 25,000 people. He's only got five loaves and two fish. That's not enough for me. But Jesus fed about 25,000 people out of it. His disciples are freaking out. Master, what are we going to do? It's too late in the day to go buy bread. And even if we could buy bread, we don't have but a few denarii. We don't even have the money. We broke in the treasury. To which Jesus says, it's all right. Just watch and behold. You're on the edge of something great that you never dreamed possible. See, I want you to understand every story has somebody in it that I just told you whose nerves are on edge. Every story has someone thinking to themselves, this is not going to end very well for me. But see, here's the deal. When they thought they were on the verge of a breakdown, they were really on the verge of a breakthrough. When they thought they were on the verge of defeat, they were really on the verge of victory. When they thought they were on the edge of disaster and chaos they were really on the edge of a miracle 
And perhaps that is what God is doing in your life right now. Perhaps you think it is over, but God wants me to let you know that he has been behind the scenes and you can't see behind the curtain, but God has been working. He's been doing things that only he can do. He is working something for your good right now. I love miracles. Anybody ever had a miracle? Can anybody in the house testify that God did something in your life? They can be personal miracles. It can be a sudden healing when God just comes by and bam, touches you. The doctor can't explain it, but a miracle has happened. It can be a breakthrough in that relationship that's been on the rocks for the last six months and you don't know if you're going to make it or not. God can do a miracle for you. It, it, it can be a new opportunity that will change a new job. Who knows? But a new opportunity that will change the course of your life forever. They can also be collective. In other words, a community, yes, coming together to achieve something incredible. Yes, even like a church that together we can see even global events like what's happening in Israel right now. Y'all think this thing caught God off, off guard? God knew it was going to happen. God's already got all the details worked out. And I'm telling you, this thing is preparing the way for Gog and Magog. And I don't have time to preach all this stuff, and later maybe we will. But I'm telling you, this thing is getting set in order. The stage is being set. I'm not saying that Jesus is about to blow the trumpet and come right now. That's not what I'm telling you. But I am telling you that we are getting closer and closer to the day of the Lord's return. Sometimes national events is what it takes in order for the church to pray again, to get Christians to pray again, to weep again, to grab the horns of the altar. The point is, no matter how much the devil tries to convince you otherwise, I need you to believe miracles still happen. And I believe that some of you in the house today are truly on the edge of that miracle. So I want to give you really quickly, and I don't want to hold you too long. Y'all know I don't want to preach to you too long. But I want you to position yourself for this miracle. The first thing I need you to do today is I need you to believe in possibility. Everybody got it? You got it? Number one, believe in possibility. Because possibility says, this thing can happen. Possibility says, you know, it's not over yet. Oh, God have mercy. So first and foremost, before we can receive a miracle... We've got to first believe that a miracle is possible. It is easy to become cynical. You know what that means? Cynical means people are out for themselves. They only care about themselves. They don't care about me. Politicians have made Washington, we're cynical of Washington, right? We get conversation, we get all, all them politicians are the same up yonder. They all lie to us. That's why Trump did so good, because when he came on and said, he ain't never done nothing. He ain't even been the mayor of a small town like Six Mile. He ain't done nothing. He don't know what pol politicians are. He don't know what, it, and that's why people loved it. People love somebody that's not a politician. 
because we have gotten cynical of that. They're out for themselves. But you need to realize today that there is a God out there that cares for you and he isn't out for himself. You don't need to get cynical towards that. You need to understand that he is fighting for you. There are still some preachers. There are still some people in his church that truly care about you and your situation. Satan wants you to view the church. He wants you to view people, the world, and even the church as only caring for themselves. But God loves you so much that there isn't one hair from your head that ever falls to the ground that he doesn't say, I've already seen that. And regardless of what the devil has told you, there are still some good people out there that are praying for you and trying to touch heaven for you and that love you. You can believe in possibility because he is the God of the impossible. Luke 1, let's go. Now in the sixth month, you know the story, this isn't a Christmas sermon, but I could use it for one. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. You ready? Verse 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus. She is a virgin. This is impossible. By any definition, it is impossible. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, here we go. How can this be since I do not know a man? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I'm not married to a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One that is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who let me, I could take you back there. She's an old woman. She's too old to have a baby. But because God had plans, your relative has also conceived the son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. She couldn't have babies. Verse 37. For with God. Nothing. No thing will be impossible. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm telling you today. In Mark, but Jesus looked at them. He said, with men, this is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. In Jeremiah 32, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing that is too hard for you. Genesis 18, 14, to a barren Sarah in her old age, 90 years old. And this is what, is anything too hard for the Lord? For at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah, yes, Sarah, shall have a son. Isaiah 46, you declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. He already knows how it is going to end before it even gets started. Is anyone hearing what I'm telling you today? 
So you can believe impossibility because he is the God of impossibility. Romans 8, I read it a couple weeks ago. What shall we say then in response to these things? What are these things? These things are what you're going through. These things are what you're fighting through. These things are what you're struggling through. But if God is for us, this is what he said, then who or what can be against us? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. My God, do you hear what I'm telling you? No matter what these things are, God says it's possible. There's a guy by the name of Eric Weinmeyer. Have you ever heard of him? Anybody? Man, I thought somebody would. I'm kind of glad because now I'm the first one to tell you the story. A guy named Eric Weinmeyer climbed Mount Everest. Scaling Mount Everest is hard enough, folks. It is the highest mountain peak in the world, reaching a staggering 29,032 feet. Most of the deaths on Everest have occurred in what they call the death zone, which is above 8,000 meters, 26,247 feet to be precise in elevation. It is at this altitude that they say the air is thin. Oxygen levels will drop dangerously low, making it extremely hard for a person to breathe, let alone remain, even remain conscious. If it drops too low, they could literally just pass out. But it is also said that at this point, in the climb, that the climber is on the edge or the verge of victory. Because if they can make it through the death zone, they can make it to the top. However, since the year 1922, 322 people have died trying to climb to the top of Mount Everest. It is hard to scale Mount Everest, let alone without the use of these eyes, this thing we call sight. But that is exactly what Eric Weinmeier did when he climbed the summit in 2001. Thanks to technology that was known as Brainport, which literally translated images from a camera into vibrations on the tip of his tongue, allowing him to see what was around him, a.k.a. or also known as tongue vision. Oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm telling you. Eric is the only blind person to ever complete one of Earth's greatest challenges, making it to the top of the mountain called Everest. Are you ready? When asked the secret to his success, this is what Eric said. What's within you is stronger than what stands in your way. And I need somebody to hear that today. As you are scaling the mountain peak of life and as you are going through things that are insurmountable that you think you can't make it through, remember that God is greater. He is inside of you. And what is inside of you is stronger than anything or anybody that will ever stand in your way. you got to persevere, number two. Miracles often happen when we've exhausted all other options. But guess what we do? We just keep on going. Sometimes the miracle is in our ability to keep pushing forward when everything seems impossible. That's persevering. Number three, 
you got to be open. Miracles can be unexpected. Miracles can come from sources that you literally least expect in your life. Miracles can happen in ways that you do not expect. It is important to be open to new people, new ideas, new opportunities, because those things might lead us into a miracle. Do you remember the story of the woman that was gathering the sticks for her and her son's last meal? She's called in the Bible in 1 Kings, yet it's the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. When Elijah comes on the scene, she's gathering sticks because all she's got enough oil and enough flour to bake a cake for her and a cake for her son. She is going to eat. She's making their last meal. So the sticks are to start the fire. She's going to get it going. This is our last meal. All right? The man of God, Elijah, walks on the scene and looks at her and says, hey, God's about to do something great. But you know, I, I've been traveling today and I'm really hungry. Bake me a cake first. How many of you will be open to that idea? I'd be like grabbing that stick I was fixing to start the wood and beat the old man. Get away, boy. My, car, my kid ain't going to starve today. You get away from here, you crazy old man. You bake me a cake first. The woman was open to such an idea. You and your son are about to starve to death. And some random prophet says, bake me a cake first. And the jar of oil and this bin of flour is not going to run out during this entire three and a half years of famine. First Kings 17. She was literally on the edge of literal starvation. But she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for my son, and we may eat it, and we may die. But she did exactly what the prophet said, and that oil and that flour, according to the word of the prophet, never ran out. She was open to a miracle. She didn't care how her miracle came, who it came through, how she had to get it just as long as it came. God may send a miracle to you in a way you least expect it. Stay open. I'm going to leave you all with this. On the edge, go back to my title, on the edge of a miracle. Yesterday evening, I was trying to bring my closing point home, and God recalled to me the story, a most familiar story. It is the story of Moses and the children of Israel. Israel has been enslaved by the Egyptians for years. It really does seem as if God has forgotten his people and left them all alone. The enemy, also known as Pharaoh, has the upper hand. But God talks to a man by the name of Moses on the backside of a desert. He speaks to him through a burning bush, but yet the bush is not consumed. That's a miracle in itself. Out of this bush, he speaks and Moses keeps telling God, after he speaks and says, it's time to get my people, he keeps telling God, basically, I can't do this. It will all end in disaster. If I'm involved, God, everything I touch falls apart. I can't even speak around people. 
I start stuttering. I get nervous. All right, I'll give you Aaron. Take your brother Aaron with you. Every excuse Moses makes, God just keeps saying, I'm going I'm to make a way. A miracle's going to happen. So God says to Moses after he gets finished complaining, he says, Moses, you go and you tell that Pharaoh, let my people go. But Lord, if they ask who sent me, what authority have I come in? What am I going to say? He said, you look at Pharaoh and you tell him, I am that I am has sent you. I don't have time to go through all the plagues today that God sent, but, but, but I'm going to show you something. The interesting part of this story is when Moses comes to the edge of the water called the Red Sea in this story. There are mountains on the left side, mountains on the right side. The children and the elders will never be able to climb to get away from the enemy up the mountains. Pharaoh's army is behind them pursuing them. If they go back, there is only one thing that will happen. Pharaoh is simply going to make them slaves again. It seems to them that escape is absolutely impossible. But never forget that with God all things are possible. See, there's something that I left out at the beginning that is very important to the story. Moses was holding on to all of his reluctance. He was holding on to his self-doubt. I can't do this. He was holding on to his incapability. He was holding on to his fears. But God asked him a question that would change his life forever. Because Byron Duncan, he says to Moses, Moses, what is that? In your hand. A question that would change everything. To which Moses replies, Lord, it's a rod. And God says, okay, you're right. It is a rod, but it's not just a rod. Your miracle is actually in your hand. You are holding your miracle in your hand. God says to him, Moses, take your rod. You are holding the miracle in your hand. You don't even realize it. Take your rod, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake. He jumps back, scared to death, the Bible said, which I would have too. So God, he didn't say, shoot it, Moses, get a rod and beat it in the head. He said, pick it up. You talk about faith, brother. The man of God reached down, he picked it up, and the snake all of a sudden became the rod in his hand yet again. The miracle is in your hand. God reminds him. He goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh challenges Moses and challenges his God. But God reminds Moses every time, what is already in his hand, you throw it down again, Moses. In front of Pharaoh, it becomes a snake and eats the other snakes. You take that same rod and you strike the water and it will become blood. Hold up your rod and frogs are going to crawl out of this Nile River and they're going to go into the houses of the Egyptians. You hold up your rod and lice are going to fly in. You hold up your rod and rain and hail are going to start falling from the sky. 
Hold up your rod in your hand and, and literally locusts are going to fly in. They're going to eat all the crops of the field that the Egyptians have planted. Hold up your rod, Moses. And literally the sky is going to be filled with darkness and the sun is going to refuse to shine on the Egyptians. Impossibility after impossibility are happening and happening. And Are you still with me? Now Moses finds himself on the edge of drowning. Pastor, I don't understand. Well, you've got to understand the sea that he has just come to the edge of and their feet are dipping in is roughly 1,400 miles long by 221 miles wide. It is also 16, an average depth of 1,610 feet. Joe Cassie has nothing on it. At one point, it reaches its maximum depth at 9,970 feet. You talk about in need of a miracle. Moses is leading what many estimate, estimate to be around 2.4 million people. Imminent death or surrender are the only two options that it seems that are left. People in the crowd are already complaining to him. Well, Moses, we'd have been better off just to stay in Egypt. I'd have rather died in Egypt. To say that this is a chaotic scene would be a drastic understatement. Moses is listening. He is hearing it all. If people's words could keep you from a miracle, then there is no miracle in sight after all of the gropping and complaining these people won't quit doing. But look at Exodus 14. And Moses said to the people, You do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which we, we, he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord is going to fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. In a nice way to say it, but what he was really saying was, y'all just shut up. You are going to shut up and you are going to stand there. I mean, the, the anger of God's come on him now. This man full of the Holy Ghost, he's angry. He said, you're going to sit there and you're going to shut up and you're going to see God do a miracle. Whether you want to or not. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Sounds like Moses might have started whining a little bit. He got a hold of Moses. And Moses was like, Lord, this is impossible. What in the world are we going to do? I mean, and God's like, Moses, you need to hush too. Why are you crying? You go and you look at them people and you tell them we're not climbing up the mountain on the left. We're not climbing on the mountain on the right. God didn't deliver you out of Egypt to carry you back to be slaves in Egypt. You move forward. We know what is in front of them. I just told you the depth, the width, the length. Verse 16. But you, Moses, you lift up your what? The miracle has been in your hand the whole time. You didn't even realize it. But everything that you needed for victory was already with you. 
God, I feel like preaching today. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel are going to walk across on dry ground through the middle of this sea. But, but the story isn't over yet. Moses, when the last Israelite crosses over to the other side over yonder, I want you to lift up that same miracle, that same rod, and I want you to hold it over the sea. And it is going to crash down on every enemy that you have. It is going to destroy the enemy. It is going to drown the enemy. It is going to fulfill the statement that you proclaim. The Egyptians, the enemy whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. I am trying my best today to tell someone today, let go of everything that is holding you back. Let release it. Let go of your fear. Let go of your doubt. Let go of your problem and take hold of your miracle. It is in your hand. And watch God destroy the enemy before you, the things that have been holding you down. God is going to destroy it. The things that have burdened you for so long, God is going to destroy it. You are on the edge of a miracle and the enemy that you see today in your life. You shall see him again no more forever. Let's go to the piano. I'm done. Let's all stand. I'm closing today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you do. I'm asking you today that you would help us to understand everybody in this building. That we would understand and realize this is not the end. The struggles that many of these men, these women, these boys, these girls have been fighting. It is the enemy in their life. But I make a declaration over every one of them today that they are on the edge and the brink of a miracle if they would just take hold of that miracle today. Moses, it's in your hand. You're asking me, Lord, how am I going to do it? Moses, just take hold of it. God is with you. Father, today let people realize in this house there is nothing that they are facing, nothing that they are going through that has caught God by surprise. There is a God that loves them, that cares for them, and there are people in this house that are going to get their breakthrough. Not their breakdown, but their breakthrough. Miracles are going to happen. Change is going to come. Satan wouldn't want us to believe that. He wants us to be scared. He wants us to be like Israel and say, man, we might as well just go back. There's no need in moving forward. But God declares, move forward. It doesn't matter what's in front of you, you just keep moving forward because I am going to split it. I'm going to part it. I'm going to move it all out of the way so you can get to the destiny, the purpose that I have for your life. Sing it, Brian. Sing something. It's running after me. Your goodness. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. running after me. Your goodness is 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 running after me. Your goodness is
Jesus. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. Oh, with my life laid down and surrendered now, I give you everything. If you want to pray today, these orders are open. If you want to talk to Jesus, feel free to come to the orders today if you want to talk to Jesus. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendering now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. with us before we close. Oh, all my life you have been faithful. Hasn't he always been so faithful? All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am With every breath that I am able. I'm going to see of the goodness I'm going to see, oh, I will see of the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Oh, I will see of the goodness of God. Isn't Jesus good today? Can we give him a hand of praise today and celebrate Jesus?
I want to give you a few instructions for how we're going to do this thing. We're planning on starting the line through the side door of the gym. So if you go out the side here, you just walk down the sidewalk there, you'll see there's a side door. Try not to use the front door unless you're, I mean, obviously if elders need to go, that's fine and get through there, but we're going to start the line at that and just feed around to the tables that are on the other side. And so if you're elders, you ought to go ahead and just start scooting on down there. They ought to get y'all some of them electric chairs. Y'all can just take off flying over there. Shame on y'all. Have a derby around here at one of the widow's meetings. Amen. Listen, I'm going to bless the food before we go. And that way that as you get over there, just go ahead and, and just file in. And like I say, some of these elders, I want you to go ahead and scoot out. Go ahead. Go ahead. We got Miss Ruby Knight somewhere running around here. I was thinking about Ruby. Ruby's the only person in the house that was at the, the um, Brush Harbors all the way across the street over there many years ago. I think Frances Cromer may, she's not here today, but Frances, I think, may have been a part of that as well. And um, so if you ever want to hear some stories, people don't stay forever. We've already told our elders that they're staying to 100 plus years old. We've already declared that over their lives. So they got a number of years left. No matter what they tell you, they've got a lot of time left. If you ever want to hear the old stories of what happened, you ought to sit down and talk to them sometime. They're not here forever. So sit down with them let them tell you what they saw with their eyes, the good things that God did. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. God's good. Father, today we thank you for this service. Thank you for your blessings. I pray that you would help us all to leave this building victorious. Help us not to leave this place defeated because we are not defeated. I can and I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We declare over everyone's life today that is struggling that they are walking out of this place with victory today in Jesus' name. The problems that they have faced, I'm asking you to make them no more. Let the waves come crashing down on the enemy like our story in Moses and destroy that enemy once and for all so that your people can live in happiness and peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this celebration Sunday. Thank you for blessing our church. 77 long years, we praise you for that. And we ask you to continue to bless us in the days, weeks, months, years ahead that we would continue to bless other people like you bless us. Bless this food. Thank you for those that have brought it today. And we just pray blessings over it that will be used for nourishment of our body. And then let us take the strength of that and use it for the advancing of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.